Thank you for that. I certainly appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Job. Job chapter number 1. Appreciate that song. What a good song. You, you think about how great truly the Father's love is. And, uh, you know, our earthly fathers, and I am a father, but we're not perfect. Um, but man, God's love and God's faithfulness and God is the perfect father. And you couldn't ask for a better father, to be honest with you, than that that the Lord Jesus Christ, or, or rather God, is to us. And, uh, and what a blessing um, that, that God is, a, a great father to us. If you have your Bibles opened up to Job, I, I want to preach this morning, matter of fact, on a great father. A great father. When we think of fathers throughout the Bible... I'll be honest with you, Job is not the first one that comes to my mind. Uh, Job, I think of Job, I of course think of catastrophe. Um, not that he was a, a, a bad father, we're going to look at that obviously, but, but I, Job is not the first guy that I think of. I, there's lots of fathers in the Bible that you could cover. Uh, of course, Father Abraham comes to mind, and, uh, and you, you think of, of course, God the Father uh, and his great love and, and all of that, but... But of all the people, I, uh, I started into the book of Job um, earlier this week, and, and when I read it, it was like the Lord was like, that's it, Job. And I'm like, really? Job as a father. And, and when I read that first chapter, it, it is amazing actually what you see about Job. And we really don't know a lot about the life of Job. Matter of fact, the majority of what we know about Job is contained right here in this book and right here specifically in this chapter uh, because the rest of the book really is dedicated to a dialogue between his friends and himself. And of course, towards the end, the Lord comes in. And, and, uh, but it is a story, uh, and it's a really quite an incredible book if you read it. But I want to focus this morning on the life of Job and, uh, and really some of the great attributes that Job had as a father. And I want to challenge us, and, and maybe you're here this morning and you're not a father. I mean, if you're a, a, a mother, uh, you're obviously not a father, all right? There's a big difference there. And, uh, and maybe you're a young person, but it doesn't matter who you are. You can take these attributes, really, and apply them to your life just as much as Job did and be a good uh, Christian uh, that loves the Lord. So in the book of Job, chapter number 1, the Bible says this, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was a perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen 500 she-asses, and, and a very great household, so that, his, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. 
And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offering according to the number of them. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. I want to stop right there and let's pray. And then we'll look at, at the life here of Job and these few verses that we have that really describe the person of Job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I thank you for the privilege and the liberty that we have to gather in your house, unhindered to preach your word, unhindered to praise your name through song. And, and God, I pray that you would just use me this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. And God, I I pray that you would touch each and every heart and help us, Father, to replicate these characteristics in the life of Job in our own life. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. I'm reminded just in prayer of thanking the Lord for the fact that we can meet openly. I want you to know that there are still churches in America that are still meeting outside in tents for over a year now. They're not, allowed to, they're not allowed to meet inside of their building. And so it is really a great privilege uh, and a, a great blessing from the Lord that we do have the liberty. And I, I don't want to take that liberty for granted because I'm telling you, we, we've, saw, we've noticed over the past year that could change in a day. It doesn't take long. And so uh, I do thank God for that. Um, but that's not the message, that's just a side note. We ought to be grateful for the liberty that we have and take advantage of it. Uh, but here in the book of Job, I want to look at his life. And, and I want you to notice the first thing that we can really notice about Job uh, is his concern. As you look at the life of Job, and of course we read there in verse number 3. Look with me again at verse number 3. We'll reread re it, uh, though it's probably difficult for us to really fully grasp what is, is being said here. He says here, his substance also was 7,000 sheep. Let me stop right there. It's, does anybody in our auditorium have 7,000 sheep? Okay, we have a hard time relating. Does anybody have one sheep? Maybe somebody's got a sheep. Um, we, we don't really have sheep. Now, some people have sheep. I know, um, I know some people have livestock and things of that nature. But in Bible times, that was, that was their wealth. They did not go down uh, to the first Farmers National Bank and, uh, and deposit money uh, or, or anything of that nature. They did not have banks, uh, and they did have money. I, I wouldn't say that they didn't have currency. They did have money, uh, but really most of their uh, wealth was tied up in uh, livestock that they would have. And I'll tell you this, uh, that a, a thousand sheep it was more than that. 7,000 sheep is a lot of sheep. Uh, you're going to need a lot of land. You're going to need a lot of workers to water those sheep if you don't have water or to feed them or to watch after them, to care for them. Could you imagine uh, the day of shearing those sheep that would come? It was probably a nonstop process. He probably employed uh, shearers that did nothing but would shear those sheep. And by the time they finished all 7,000, it was probably time to start all over from the beginning again. 
And so just think about the amount of, uh, of work that would uh, be required of that and, and then, of course, selling all of that and caring for those sheep. And that's just one. It goes on and it says, And 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household. Then it ends in, so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the East. What an incredible statement, that, that statement alone. That Job was known as one of the most wealthiest men in his day. I'm sure they didn't have the, uh, the magazine that listed the, the ten wealthiest men. Uh, but if they did, Job would have been number one uh, in his day on that magazine. Because the amount of wealth that he had was just incredible. And I want you to notice this uh, about Job and about his life. That uh, it's not wrong to have possessions, but make sure that your possessions do not have you. And that's really one of the lessons that, that we learn through the book of Job. I mean, uh, that's really a focal point in the book of Job. And it's a very important thing. And wealth should never be our God. And I don't think wealth was Job's God by any stretch of the imagination, by what took place. But the Bible says in Roman, or Matthew chapter number 6, and verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God, mammon. Now, what does that word mammon mean? Uh, it means simply, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means riches. That's what it means. And so uh, we cannot fall in love with riches and, and love our wealth and love God. That's what the Bible is saying. And Job is a great example of that. I want you to notice that his concern was not his possessions, though he possessed many things. And it's not a sin to possess many things. Sometimes uh, people will get in the mindset of, well, if you're not poor, then there must be something wrong with you. Or your God is, uh, your God is gold. Uh, and that's not necessarily true. Job was a very wealthy man, and yet he was not consumed with his possessions. And we need to understand that, uh, listen, worldly wealth is something that will come and go. Matter of fact, I love Job's response after he loses everything. In less than uh, one day, in less than probably a few hours, the Bible's very clear that, hey, one servant came to him and said, listen, uh, all your sheep are dead, all 7,000. And before he had even finished talking, another servant had lined up and said, Hey, all your camels, they're all gone. And another one had come, Hey, all your servants are gone. All your cattle, all your, all your livestock, it's all gone. And then, it, and then lastly, his sons were all gone. And at the end of the chapter, number 21, Job says this, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And by that statement, we know and we understand Job was not wrapped up in his possessions. I appreciate that about Job. Uh, that he could have all of that wealth, but that wealth did not define who he was. And so it's not wrong to have possessions, but it certainly is wrong for possessions to have us. Matter of fact, the Bible would issue us a warning in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and Number nine, it says, But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
And listen, that's, that is the epitome of today. The society today says, listen, if you're not consumed with being wealthy and if you're not consumed with putting money aside and if you're not trying to get rich, then there's something wrong with you and the only way to be successful is to love wealth and, and to set everything aside. Listen, the... the Morning, uh, for a Christian, hey, it's not wrong to have possessions, but make sure that your possessions do not have you. We see that about Job, and I appreciate his balance in that area. Though he was wealthy, that was not his life and his goal. I want you to notice this about Job as well. His concern was not his possessions, though he had many possessions. I want you to notice the primary part of his concern was his family. Look with me at verse number 4. The Bible says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of all them, of them all, excuse me. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. I want you to notice that Job was a man who was concerned about his family. Hey, he prayed for his kids. Uh, he was concerned about it. You see all this wealth and all these things that he had, and yet his main priority in his life was his concern for his children and his family. Hey, listen, that's a good concern to have. The, the, I wish we, we would have uh, a closer knit in, in families. And listen, uh, the family uh, gathering, you see that their families would get together and their, uh, their sons would ha have feasts. Maybe it was Christmas dinner. Maybe it was Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Easter. And when they would do that, they would invite the whole family to come over. And listen, family is important to God. Family was the very first thing that God instituted. When he, when he created Adam in the Garden of Eden, he was there. And, and listen, uh, pretty soon it became apparent. And God said, hey, or the, rather, Adam said, hey, listen, there's no one found for me. And God said, hey, I'll make a woman for you. And he made Eve to go with Adam. And, and, and he established at that time uh, a a family, and he said it is good uh, for a man to leave his, his family and, and to uh, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And, and what he was saying is he was establishing uh, the idea of family. Listen, the family unit today in America is being attacked and destroyed. Listen, it, it's been going on for years and I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just telling you the facts of the nature is, is that, listen, our families uh, have been under attack for many years, so many times. There's not a dad in the home. There's not a mom in the home. Uh, or this happens or that happens. And, and I'm just telling you, that's not how God intended it to be. Uh, that's the effects of the world getting in and, and making a, a mess of what the family ought to be. 
And I understand sometimes things happen, and man, we pick up and we go forward as best you can, and, and, and that's, that's wonderful. I, I think that's all you can do in some cases, but I'm just telling you, God established a, a way that a family ought to be, and, and Job was concerned about his family, and he was concerned about his kids, and, and he took care and he took compassion with his children. How do I know that? Well, you see that he prayed for them on a regular basis. Listen, the Bible still says in Psalms chapter 127 and verse number 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Hey, families are still a thing that God blesses and God wants. We live in a day and age, and it wasn't too long ago when, when it was common and it was normal for most people to have, uh, I think, the average amount of of children was uh, three or four children per family. That's not the case today. Many times uh, people don't even want to get married, much less have children. And, and today, really, the statistics are far less than that, so that uh, it's somewhere around maybe one or maybe two. I, I think the statistics is one and a half. How do you have half a child? I don't know. It's somewhere in there. And, and yet... The Bible verse still stands true that, hey, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. And so we see that Job was concerned with his family. And, and you look there in verse number 5, the Bible says that, uh, that he prayed for his family. And he, he was concerned. Look what it says at the end of uh, verse 5, the last part. It says, uh, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He was constantly concerned that his children would walk with God and that his children would do what was right. And that was his prayer. He would offer sacrifices regularly for his children. Listen, as parents, we ought to be concerned for our families. We ought to be concerned for our children. We ought to be concerned. Uh, you ought to pray for your children. You ought to pray that, uh, that, that God would uh, help them and strengthen them and that they would walk in the, in the, the ways of the Lord. And, and listen, I'm telling you uh, that God is still able to turn lives around. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard of, of children who have been wayward children and living in the world and listen, and eventually they end up turning around and coming back home to the Lord and serving the Lord. And I say that to encourage you, don't, don't lose hope for your children, keep praying. I mean, that's kind of what the whole story of the prodigal son is that, uh, that Jesus Christ gave, that the one son went off and, and he lived in the world. But listen, uh, he turned around when he hit the end of everything and he came back uh, to his father's house. And listen, I'm just saying that I want to encourage you this morning, hey, pray for your children. Be concerned for your children. We see Job's concern was not his possession. Uh, his concern was his family. Not only do we see his concern, I want you to notice in verse number 1 the character of Job. We can see his concern was not possessions. We can see his concern was the family. But I want you to notice his character. You can hardly get into chapter uh, 1 without getting stumbling over the impressive character of Job. The Bible says in Job 1.1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and 
upright. Now I want to stop and I want to define what is perfect. When we think of perfect, we often think of uh, without error or without mistake. And that certainly is an appropriate definition of the word perfect. But that is not how it is intended to be used here. The second definition is this, complete, mature, whole, or sound. And so I don't want you to think that Job was an absolute perfect person with no sin. The Bible is not teaching that. The Bible would tell us, hey, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we need to understand that Job was not perfect as in sinless, but he was perfect as in a mature, complete Christian. The Bible gives us that idea in verse number 1. He says, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. We need to work on our perfection, our maturity. Not as being sinless, but our maturity. And Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, he said this, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." That was Paul writing to the Corinthian church. And I think, man, we need to make sure that, hey, we are mature Christians. You know, when my kids were little, um, I I didn't explain to them uh, the will of God for their life. Uh, When my kids were little, I'm talking four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I did not take the word of God and, and explain to them why the King James Bible is the inerrant, perfect word of God in English. I could have, but they wouldn't have understood it. Why? Because they were immature. They were little. I didn't explain to them all the doctrines of the church. You explained to them, hey, that God exists and that we are sinners. That's what I explained to them. Why? Because that's basic. It's real easy for them to understand. And Job was a mature Christian. He was somebody that, uh, hey, he could understand deeper things of God. Listen, we need to be Christians who are mature, who will understand deeper things of God and not be surface level Christians. We see a, a character that Job had. He was a mature Christian as we see the idea of him being perfect. But not only that, I want you to notice the Bible says, and upright. What is upright? Well, the Bible, well, the dictionary would define upright as honest, just, adhering to rectitude in all social intercourse, not deviating from correct moral principles as an upright man. Well, there's a deficit of that in society today. There really is. And listen, as Christians, we ought not allow the world to drag us down to their level of morality or immorality, probably better worded. But listen, we ought to maintain an uprightness about us as Job did. Job lived as an upright man. He was an honest man that people could look up to. He was an honest man that would do fair business deals. He was an honest man that would live right amongst the world. And listen, that's a character trait that we need to have today. God wants us to be honest. The other day... Um, one of my kids was telling me something they had saw in the store, and it was a cute story. And, uh, and, and I, I thought it was cute, but then I thought, don't do that to your children. It, basically, the, uh, a parent had come in, and, 
and, uh, and, and the, the parent the, had kids with them, and, and the kids were like looking at stuff, and they picked up some candy. And they said, Mom, we want this. And, uh, and she said, no, that's soap. And, and the kid was like, oh, put it down. And, uh, and it was cute. And they, she, she said, everything in the store is soap. You, it's a soap store. You don't, you don't want anything. And it wasn't. It was candy. And I thought, well, it was cute. But in reality, she just lied to her children. And there's a danger in that, as sweet and as innocent as it might be. And, and sometimes I know we joke, and I, I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying, you know, if you're joking around, that's one thing. But I am saying this as parents. Hey, listen, we need to be honest with our children. We need to be careful not to, uh, to lie and, and be very careful about honesty. And the Bible talks about that. It's really a, a, an idea of, of being right. And, and uh, Job was upright. He was an honest man, not deviating from moral principles. Not only that, but the Bible says here that he eschewed evil. What does that word eschew mean? The word eschew means shun, avoid. That would be to separate. Listen, today, we need to separate from wickedness. Hey, hey, we live in a day, and I know it's not a popular idea, and I know that the, the, the Christians want to uh, be in the world, and listen, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, I realize that. Uh, but listen, we need, there's got to be some separation from the world. There's things that the world does that the Christians ought not do. And I'm just saying that Job was a man that was perfect, the Bible says. He was pure because he was upright and he was one that eschewed evil. And we find that he would separate himself from the wickedness that was going on in the world. And listen, we need Christians who are willing to say, hey, I want to be separate. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, turn over there with me in 2 Corinthians, save your spot and Job will be back here. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And look with me at verse number 15. As he's going to ask a series of questions and then he's going to get into the answer. And this is New Testament principles being applied to Job's life and how he lived. He was one that, that was upright and one that eschewed evil. That would be to separate or to shun or to avoid evil. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 15, the Bible says this, uh, And what concord has, hath Christ with Belial? Now, Belial is, uh, is like a devil. It, it would be a, uh, the, the, the idea of a demon or bad. It's the epitome of evil. And what concord, so what association does Christ have with Belial? They're absolutely separate. Look with me the next verse. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And so he's asking questions. Hey, what does Christ have to do with uh, the devil or Belial or uh, demons? And it's absolutely nothing. What part does uh, a believer or a saved person have with an infidel? Somebody who would reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible goes on in verse number 16. And he says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And he goes on in verse 17, and he says, Wherefore, 
Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, God, the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What he's saying is, listen, that we need to have a pure life, that we need to be separated from wickedness. Uh, Micah, if you come up here for a minute, I need help. I need to illustrate this. I'll let you be God. I, I, always, I want people to volunteer, so I, I usually try not to make them the bad things. You come over here, you stand right in the center. And so Micah's going to represent, just represent God. All right, you're not God. You're just representing God. And I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, uh, listen, the Bible says that, uh, that hey, we are, the, the world will put the world over here, that I am to separate from the world, and I'm to draw nigh to God. Now give me your hand. This is why I chose you, because you're my son, and I don't mind holding your hand. Now most Christians, we're like, man, I, I want to be attached to God. I want to have a good relationship with God. I mean, after all, nobody wants to die and go to hell. So everyone, everyone says, man, I, I want that relationship with God because I want to be uh, saved for all of eternity. So I want that assurance. But for most Christians, that's where they draw the line. So now they've got this relationship. No, don't move. You stay right there. But they're, they're going to try and get as far away from God as they can because they be part of this world. Pinkies. And, and they're, they're, just, they're just maintaining the minimal contact with God that they can because they want to be involved in the world. Matter of fact, they're not even looking towards God. They're, they're, they're so wrapped up over here in the world. If I could get farther away with my foot and uh, hold my foot and, uh, and, and try and get farther away, I, that's the way the Christian is. They're trying to pull as far away from God as they can without losing that connection. They want to maintain just that minimal connection with God that they can have. Listen, the Word of God says, come out from among them, the world, and touch not the unclean thing. Listen, if God represents purity, then our life ought to be like this with God. This is why I chose Micah, my son. I don't want to hug anyone else. That's what our life ought to be, that we ought to be trying to get as close to God as we can and as far away from the world and as far away from the impurities, far away from the wickedness, but the average Christian is just holding on by a thread and they're just doing the minimal that they can to get as far away from God and as involved in the world as they can. And listen, there's a day coming, thank you, you can be seated, there's a day coming when all of the world is going to be burned up. And we're going to say, why did I live in the world? Why did I try to get far away from God? as I could, when He saved me, and I ought to be as close to God as I physically can be here on this earth. Job was walking, and the Bible says that he eschewed evil. He shunned it. He avoided it. He did not like it. He did not want to be around it. But many times in our life, listen, uh, our flesh desires the wickedness that is in this world. And we've got to submit ourselves to God and say, you know what? I don't want to play around with this world. I want to be fully invested in God. I want to have a pure life. Job 
was a perfect man. He was mature. Job was a pure man that he wanted to, to love God. He wanted to stay close to God. He wanted to hold on to God and not be involved in the world. Lastly, look at with me into, for, for, the, for Job's character. Look with me at verse number 1. It says, and one that feared God. You can write down prudence for that. He was prudent. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 9 and verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Listen, one of the biggest problems today is, is not just today, but of all time, is that people do not want to submit to authority. In general. I mean, people go to work, they don't want to do what their boss tells them. They don't like authority over them. They, 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 uh, they don't want to... They don't want to know what the Word of God says because then that would be authoritative over them. They don't want to submit to God. They don't want to do the things uh, that, that they should do. Listen, the Bible says that Job had a fear of God. And I've taught about this before and I've talked about it before. It's not a fear of being in, uh, scared of God that, oh, God walks in the room and all of a sudden, man, I better straighten up otherwise the lightning's going to fall and I'm going to get hit. It's not that kind of a fear but it's a reverence, it's a respect, it's a love for God that says, listen, I want to please my heavenly Father. He's my authority. And if we'll live our lives like Job did, he was perfect, he was pure, he was prudent, he had the fear of God in his life. Man, what a character that Job had. That was his character. We saw his concern was his family and not his possessions. We see his, his character and his perfectness, his purity, and his, his prudence. You can't get through the book of Job without talking about his catastrophe, and I will not spend any time here. But understand this, Job did suffer a great catastrophe. Can I tell you something this morning? People and things are not tested in good times. Let me explain that to you. If you design a car, if you design anything, and, and in concept and you draw it all out, you've designed it. And, and if you get an engineer involved and they, and they put all the right parts in the right places, it's still just a concept. When they build that thing, and we'll take a car for example, when they build that thing, they'll put it all together, but then, then comes the testing period. And they'll call it this, they'll say we need to run it through its paces. They, they, they have to, it might look really good, and it might in, in concept be something that's really all good and, and everything, but what they have to do is they have to crash test it. They have to run it down the road at, at 100 miles an hour, make sure the door doesn't fall off. They have to turn it hard and brake hard and put it through all the paces. They need to make sure that the brakes are going to stop the vehicle. They need to make sure that the engine's the right size. They need to make, the, make sure that all the safety things are implemented in this car, and so that everything is functional and everything works listen my friend God tests people by putting them through the paces 
You're not tested when you're sitting on the mountaintop. You're not tested when you're going through good times. You're not tested by, uh, by, by just being a, a proof of concept and saying, well, uh, you know, I am saved and I'm born again and, and, and I believe that. But listen, it's going through those struggles in life as, as Job did that puts us through our paces. You'll notice in reading chapter 1, and we'll not read it for time's sake, but Satan came up to God and he said, listen, have you considered, uh, no, I'm sorry, let's back up. God told uh, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's a just man. And I love the fact that God testified of Job. I didn't cover that. I don't remember what verse it is. It's in there, though, that God, God said of Job, Verse number 8, And the Lord has said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And is there none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? That's God's testimony of Job. What a testimony. And Satan says, Well, no, actually, I haven't. And then Satan says, You know what? He just serves you. Because you protect him and you've blessed his life. And God says, that's not true. And I'll prove it. I'll remove my hand to protect you. And he allowed all that testing to come into Job's life. He allowed him to lose all of his wealth. He allowed him to lose all of his children. And at the end, Job said... Look over in verse 21. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. We can see his cat catastrophe we can see his testing we can see his trial and I want you to know uh, we don't have time to go there but but uh, we see that Job was a patient man the book of James talks about that and that he learned patience through his trials we see the profession of God that gave him in 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 well in verse 21 rather his own mouth that he professed that uh, that he was going to follow God and hey blessed be the name of the Lord and then we see at the end of the book of Job uh, well towards the middle rather in Job 23 10 uh, where it says but he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold we see the purging of Job's life what an incredible example his concern was his family his character it was pure it was perfect it was um, it, it was uh, one that eschewed evil. You know, it was one that feared God, prudent. Then we see his catastrophe. But listen, in the end, Job was blessed greatly. God restored to him twice of what he had. Twice as many sons, twice as many daughters. And Job lived for God. What an incredible example. I can't think of a better example for us to really look at in this world outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow with our lives just a few, ver five verses that really tell us about Job. And then the rest is everything that happened in his life. And what an incredible character that we ought to model our lives after Job. An example 
of the faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning, and you'd say, I don't have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting Him as your own personal Savior. And if you'll do that, He'll save you. And you'll start that relationship with Him. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Thank you for this example of Job. What a, what a phenomenal example of a Christian life. God, I pray that you would help us as Christians to implement the character of Job in our life. Not just because of his patience. God, what a, what a patient man. But because of his character and who he was. God, I pray that you would help each and every person this morning. and That you'd move as only you can. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed as the piano begins to play. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. Whatever the need, maybe you need to be baptized. We're fixing to have some baptism coming up. Maybe you want to join the church this morning. Maybe you just want to pray and thank the Lord for the example that Job is. Truly, what an example. What a blessing to see the life of Job. As these have come.